What's a payphone? <laughs> Back in the day, guys, you could put in 10-10-220 or 1-800-CALL-ATT or anything like that. You would, you would perform what is called a collect call, wherein the person that you are calling would be notified that they are receiving a call from somebody who is broke as fuck. And you were allowed to tell them your name, and that's pretty much it. And then they would say, yeah, I'll accept the charges, or no, I won't accept the charges. So if you were an idiot like me, you were at the mall, and you are ready to get picked up, you know your mom's not going to accept the charges to talk to you. When a little small beep comes on and says, Please record your name. You just hit Mom, come pick me up. Mom is trying to come pick me up. The mom is to go back. Mom, come pick me up at high school. Bye. <laughs> Welcome back to the trailer of Troika. This is Steve along with the other Steve. Hello. And Ryan. Uh, I was reading about recently uh, NFL prospect quarterback Will Levis uh, putting mayonnaise in his coffee. Um, I almost made a horrific mistake the other morning. <laughs> Thank God I stopped myself, but I was low on creamer, and I was like, well, this guy does it. It can't taste. No, 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 no. No, I'm not even doing it. Stop. Intrusive thoughts are not going to win at 630 in the morning. My brain so, just totally missed what you said. What did you do? I almost put mayonnaise in my coffee. Oh. I was the other day. Oh, and yeah. The, the intrusive thoughts almost won, but I pulled back at the last Mayonnaise? Like, no. That sounds good. Yeah, report back. I <laughs> see the the next Tom Brady dropped. <laughs> he's gonna like the the biggest like weirdo ever. He's gonna be like a just a football throwing machine. Yeah, I got some evidence uh, from uh, the Goop forums. And uh, <laughs> does he does he, that, also, does he also does he also drink forums? his body weight? Does he drink his body weight in water every day? He drinks no, his, he does no, eat, he drinks um, his body waste. <laughs> he eats bananas um, like unpeeled. Also, see, but I don't think he can do that. <laughs> yeah, I what's think gonna, that might not so, be okay. So what's going to happen is this kid is going to do really well when he goes to the NFL, and it's going to start the most Tom insane Brady? diet fads you've ever seen in your life. Where like Zoomers are on TikTok putting mayonnaise in their coffee and just taking huge honking bites out of a banana unpeeled, and it's like I'm going to become an NFL star too, just like Will Levis. Like it's going to be insane if this guy actually does really well. It's so <laughs> gross. But there's video of it. Like, there's video of him putting mayonnaise in his cot. Like, he put his money where his mouth is on camera after he said that he liked doing it. I mean, mayonnaise is just fat, so I could see it being uh, not awful, but also, I'm not. It's fucking mayonnaise. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's still mayonnaise. I mean, yeah. and say this as a, hung- as a young American Hungarian who eats a lot of fucking mayonnaise, and, like, I'll, I'll just take spoonfuls of mayonnaise out of the fridge. Just for the hell of it. I love God, mayonnaise. I fucking love fucking mayonnaise so much. What is wrong with you, bro? You could layer, in fact, if I'm dead, it's an easy way to get me back. Just put some mayonnaise in front of my face. You know? I keep putting the Just mayonnaise on. He's salts. not waking up. I think he was lying. Speaking of clinical nausea, Steve, what are we... Uh... <laughs> Speaking of mayonnaise resurrections, what are we talking about this week? Today we're going to be talking about a great Italian-American... Uh, Chef Boyardee? Uh, Vinny. Close. Uh, Vinny the lawyer. (laughs) Federico Castelluccio? We're going to be talking about Carlo, Pietro, Giovanni, Guglielmo, Tiboldo, Ponzi. Oh, the Ponzi. Mr. Ponzi. Ponzi. Mr. Ponzi himself. Uh, Also, uh, not to to spoil it for everybody, but 
the man who's who coined or who's uh whose name is is associated with a a type of uh, scheme the ponzi scheme <laughs> now that's where you go into jc penny and you switch the tags right on your clothes <laughs> <laughs> that's where you that's where you go to Walmart and then you have a you have a barcode for something else and you put it over the barcode for the thing you're scanning. Yeah. Yep. I will not admit to to basically crimes on this podcast. <laughs> well, we, but that's all I'll say regarding switching barcodes at at stores. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're talking about. Anyways. You never did that. But anyway. Uh, so, question: The Ponzi scheme is that the same thing as like MLMs? Like, are MLMs Ponzi schemes? They can uh, be. Not, not all, uh, because uh, the Ponzi scheme is a specific type of scheme. Uh, like for instance, uh, the most famous uh, contemporary uh, person who carried out one of these schemes would be Bernie Madoff. Yeah. Okay, explain the Ponzi scheme to me. Like, we'll I'm, like we'll, we'll get explain we'll get like into I'm it. Five. We'll 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 get into it in the episode. No, we'll, I we'll talk know about now. the scheme. <laughs> we'll talk about the scheme in depth. Well, I mean, we can you know, talk about it in depth, but like, give me like the overview. Like, how does this work? It's it's essentially a scheme where you invest in something and they promise a very high rate of return. Um, but what they're really doing is they're just taking money from new investors and using it to pay old investors. Oh man, there's no. I can't see how this could possibly go bad. Where do I where do I sign up? Right. It sounds like a foolproof <laughs> plan. He's <laughs> fucking genius, bro. I can't but, see how it could get fucked up at all. You know. <laughs> Uh, Ponzi was born in Lugo, uh, Emilia uh, Romana, um, Italy, on March 3rd, 1882. Um, he told the New York Times in an interview that he did later on in his life that he came from a family um, uh, from Parma, Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that his ancestors were uh, well-to-do um, and that his mother uh, used the title Donna, um, but the family had fallen on hard times and had very little money. Okay. Um, Ponzi, um, before going off to university, um, he worked as a postal worker, um, but eventually went to the University of Rome, uh, La Spienza. Okay. Uh, so a lot of his uh, richer friends that he hung out with, uh, they didn't really consider uh, university to be serious. Um, and so since he hung around with them, um, he just spent most of his time in uh, bars, cafes, and going to the opera. So the nice. kids didn't think university was a real thing? I know. Shocking. It's not like today. <laughs> not at all. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so he ends up spending all of his money, and then he also... Um, oh, no. He, he also, after four years in college, doesn't actually graduate. Um, and he decides that uh, there's, there's a lot of stories of, of Italian uh, men uh, going off to uh, the United States... Um, and then returning to Italy, uh, having made a lot of money in the United States. Um, so Ponzi's family encourages him to do the same um, in order to like make the family rich again. I see. So now at this point, is he like knowing, telling himself like, hey, I'm about to commit the crime? Like, or is he like, I really just want to go straight and like really make this money? Well, I, I think he did, but uh, it, it's <laughs> inner dialogue. He's just the most stereotyped, like English-speaking Italian man ever. I'm about to go commit a crime. <laughs> or like, like Italian, oh. like like Italian Elon Musk on a scale. Italian Elon I build, Musk. I, I put the car in space. I don't pay the taxes. <laughs> well, I guess. Or my other question is: is this this scheme that he is going to eventually dream up? Is it a crime at the time? 
Uh, it's like such a novel thing that they don't even have laws against it. Yes, it's it's definitely a crime at the time. It is. Um, it it we'll, when we'll talk about it. It's like one of the reasons why, um, like cryptocurrency, like like everybody who like uh, is, is essentially like big on cryptocurrency, uh, that they don't realize essentially that they want to take like banking back to like the 1800s, where um, the shit we'll talk about was like pretty prevalent and gotcha. would uh, happen all the time. Um, and there, and it is like a crime, but but the difference is because uh, the time period we're talking about, um, there, like the federal government is not protecting like money or having rules for banks. Um, okay. So, so a lot of times, what what happens is that there'll be like runs on banks, and then you'll be you'll be screwed. All I'm saying is I played Red Dead Redemption two, and I saw no problems with how banking was um, you know handled back in the 1800s. But please <laughs> proceed, unless you needed your money. I mean, well, you, you know, get you just... it real quick. All it took was a six shooter. That's true. <laughs> I mean, technically, I mean, I guess if you really want to get technical, that still works in 2023 if you want your money quick. Uh, yeah, you'll get it, but then you'll be dead. So you yeah, can't I think use you're going to get a jail cell along yeah. with that, but I, I think it still works today. <laughs> Potentially. Um, on November 15, 1903, uh, Ponzi arrives in Boston aboard the SS Vancouver. Of course, that's where all the criminals go. Yeah, the North End, specifically. Fucking goddamn. <laughs> um, Ponzi, when he arrives in the United States, only has $2.50 on him, which is about the equivalent to $75 today. I just learned um, about how I, what I have in common with Ponzi. <laughs> <laughs> I got about two fifty. Did you? Did you also? Did you also gamble uh, all of your life savings away on the ride over to here? Uh, to the podcast, yeah. On the way to the podcast, I gambled yeah, on my he, life he played, savings. He lost a game of dice out back of Seven Eleven. Yeah, we were <laughs> shooting some chinchurin in the back of Seven yeah. Eleven. Yeah, he was. I lost. He was ba- some he was, shady Asian gamblers. Yeah, he was out back buying the Seven Eleven with the Kung Fu cats and the uh, the Kung Fu cats, the Karate cats. By the way, they're not Kung Fu. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. It's, it's, a, it's a Japanese. Together. It's a Japanese martial art, not a not a Chinese. I'm telling you, oh. those cats are like the Ninja Turtles. They're learning karate outside that dojo. Lost all his money playing dice. Tried to go double up playing Kapiku dominoes over at Copacabana. So I don't want to brag, but to brag, basically the. Uh, <laughs> I played uh, Chin Turin, which is also known as CeeLo, and, uh, probably about 10 years ago, and I got the rarest... Uh, someone I played got the second rarest roll you can get, and then I got the rarest roll you can get in one, and I refused to play dice ever since. So, that's See, my dice history. That, that'll be one of the things we talk about, is that you, you came out on top, and then you walked away. Yeah. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm not a scumbag. <laughs> You'll you'll notice a trend that that with a lot of uh, people who fall for scams and are ruined yeah. by them, and also people who uh, do scams, is that they don't know when to walk away, and it ends I, up being their undoing. I don't want to shit on people who who have the addiction either. You know, like it's not fair. Yeah, I, I feel it's a I feel it's like a base part of human nature. Yeah, it is. But um, like I said, Ponzi uh, gambles away most of his um, life savings that he was supposed to live off of in America on the ship right over. Um, he himself said, I landed in this country with $250 in cash and $1 million um, in, in hopes. And, and $85 those ho- dollars in debt to fucking <laughs> Giacomo on the boat. <laughs> Giacomo. <laughs> and, those, and those hopes never left me. Um, and no underwear because I also gambled those away. Gambled well. my undos right off. <laughs> 
Um, he would quickly learn English and spend the, uh, the next uh, couple years um, doing odd jobs on the East Coast, eventually uh, settling as a dishwasher in a restaurant uh, where he slept on the floor of said restaurant. Um, he managed to work his way up to the position of waiter, um, but was fired for theft and shortchanging customers. God, this, on, so man. this guy's this guy's kind of a, a scumbag. Yeah, huge yeah. scumbag. So, or as they say in Jersey, a scumbag. <laughs> in in 1907, um, after uh, not really succeeding in the United States, he decides to try his luck in Canada, and he moves to uh, Montreal. Um, there he becomes a, an assistant teller at a newly opened bank called the Banco Zorosi, um, which was a bank which was made in, um, which was located on uh, St. Uh, Jacques Street um, in Montreal. And it was started by a Luigi Luis uh, Zorosi um, to uh, service the, uh, the large influx of Italian immigrants that were coming into Montreal during that time period. Gotcha. Hey, Luigi, it's me, your friend, Ponzi. Help me with the money. <laughs> um, so by this time, uh, Ponzi himself is a polyglot. Um, he speaks English, Italian, and French, um, which gets him a, a job at the bank. Now, um, so do they do, like, background checks back then? Like, did the bank call the restaurant and be like, hey, um, I heard this guy worked for you. What's up? The restaurant be like, yo, don't hire his ass. He fucking stole from the restaurant. He I made think his usually own it's bank letters in the backyard and <laughs> took money from everyone. We told him to stop, but he just kept doing it. He has to. He has to be blindfolded, and they just have a pile of change, and he has to sort it properly. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! But it's um. But it's at this bank that he that he first sees the scheme which was originally known as robbing Peter to pay Paul, um, which in modern uh, de- uh, modern times is referred to as the Ponzi scheme. Yeah, and it's also used in parlance, like, regularly, like, you know, having a credit card and paying off the other credit card with the credit card. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I found out in high school you can't do that. <laughs> they will not let you do that. You, you can take pay. a cash advance and then do it, but you got to be in real dire straits to be pulling some bullshit like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess you do the cash advance because, like, I remember at one point being like, I wonder if I can just hook this credit card onto my other credit card instead of my bank. To By make the way, uh, they were like, no. <laughs> the trilateral troika does not recommend what I just said as sound financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> we are not a financial podcast. We're no, experts. Go take we get like a, a letter in the mail. Tens of thousands of dollars from your bank. It'll be great. I promise. It's fantastic. We're just gonna get this letter in the mail that basically just says, "Hey, I tried to do what you said, and I'm in jail now." Fuck. <laughs> Instructions unclear. Please advise. <laughs> yeah, don't don't down. don't be like Kevin Smith and tell people to commit credit card fraud to uh, to live your dreams. Say, I'm literally sitting what, here dog? drinking every episode that we do. Do not uh, take advice from someone who is actively drinking the most bottom swill of alcohol at that. Uh, Kevin Smith, uh, when he made Quirks, he um, he tr- he got like high um, high level credit cards to to finance the film. Yeah, and and what he did was he put down that he was the manager of the the comedian store he worked at. And since he was like the only person that ever worked there, like cause this was back like in the early nineties, yeah. I so they would like act, it, but I don't remember th- that. But they would actually like call, and and he'd be like, yeah, yeah, he's the manager. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, hilarious. Um, but the uh, but uh, the Zerosi Bank they paid six percent interest on bank deposits, uh, which was double the going rate at the time, 
Um, and because of this, um, the amount of people who were putting their money in the bank was growing rapidly. Um, Ponzi would eventually rise to the rank of bank manager, um, but he, uh, but then he found out that the bank was in serious financial trouble uh, because they were giving out bad real estate loans, um, and uh, Zerosi was funding uh, the interest payments um, not through uh, profit on investment, but by using the newly deposited money that was put into the bank, um, hence how it is a Ponzi scheme. So he I saw see. it, and he, he, and he saw that it wasn't going well. So he, phys- I just want to make sure that I'm understanding this. Fuck, he saw a Ponzi scheme in action, and he watched it fail. Right? Well, it wasn't yeah. called a Ponzi scheme. Right, yet. right, right. But yeah. he watched effectively the, the the Ponzi scheme in effect fail. <laughs> this is right my scheme. It's like he's not like he's not Lou Gehrig going. God damn, this Lou Gehrig's disease. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, like, like he understood what what he was doing as you. Uh, oh yeah, this guy. This guy already you. is like a con man. Like he's. What been... I'm saying is he watched this fail. Well. You have to understand. You have to understand is that he saw this guy fail, but he knows that he's not going to fail. Exactly. Uh, Okay. Um, All about being confident, Ryan. So eventually, eventually, what happens? (laughs) We should shorten that up there, Steve. We should. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be confident, you can say confident, but just much, much simpler. One syllable. How about con? (laughs) And I'm a man, so I can just be a con man who's confident. Yeah, that's that's nothing wrong with that, (laughs) right? The the bank obviously would eventually fail, um, and Zerosi would flee to Mexico with the remaining uh, p- uh, money in the bank. Um, Ponzi would stay like in Montreal uh, for a time period, um, and he would also live in Zerosi's house, um, helping uh, Zerosi's family uh, uh, while uh, planning to move to the United States and start over. Right. Um, because uh, Ponzi was uh, penniless at the time, this proved very difficult for him. Um, eventually, he walked into the offices of a, a former uh, Zerosi customer, uh, Canadian Warehousing, and upon finding uh, no one in the, the building to um, uh, at that time, um, he was able to find a checkbook, and he wrote himself a check for $423.58. That's a very uh, <laughs> exact amount. Why did he go for that much? What the fuck? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I think because like it's just such a specific amount, nobody would think like anything of it. Like it's it's more believable. It's that if he just put like a flat amount of like five hundred dollars. I see. Okay. Right. Um, okay. And, and he and he forged the uh, the signature of the director of the company, uh, Damien uh, Fournier, uh, when writing the check. Um. So after he goes on a large uh, spending Man. spree, he's confronted by the police. Um, just after the, the check was cashed, um, and he immediately just gives himself up and tells them, I'm guilty. God, he can't even, like, try to deny it, not even for 30 seconds? He would, um, end up spending three years at St. Vincent de Paul Federal Penitentiary, um, which is a, uh, prison that was located on the outskirts of Montreal. Um, so, uh, during that time, he doesn't want to tell his mother that he's imprisoned, um, so he, when he writes her letters, he tells her that he's gotten a new job as a special assistant to the prison warden. Is it he's like, like a, well, I'm not exactly lying. I'm just stretching the truth a Have you ever heard of that Catholic Society of uh, St. Vincent de Paul? Is it like run by them or something? I don't think so because it's a, it's a, like a Canadian government uh, uh, okay. prison. Weird. Weird. They, they might have some handics. I know like the, um, they like were a lot really of like big, the, like in the early, in the 
the U.S. Well, anyway, in like the mid nineteenth or twentieth century, they they, really they probably they probably had some hand in at some point because like all the all the schools like the native boarding schools, like the majority of them were Catholic. The ones where they were just like straight up like killing kids and like burying them in the backyard. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um. So after after he was released in nineteen eleven, um, Ponzi uh, decides to go to the U.S. Um, but he gets involved in a in a scheme to smuggle um, uh, Italian illegal immigrants across the border into the United States. Fucking guy just can't help himself, can he? There's a crime to be committed. You commit the charge of Ponzi is on the case. You're telling me I get crime. to uh, steal or something? Let's go. <laughs> 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 Why is he doing that? It's funny. That's he a makes goal. a bad name for like all the Italian Americans, as my Italian American family likes to say. He, he just he just sees crime and he's just doing the bird man. Yeah. <laughs> Rubbing those hands together. Mm. Crime uh, you son of you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> you son um, of a bitch, during, I'm in. During during the scheme, he was he was caught, and he would spend two years in Atlanta prison. Steve, I'm detecting a little bit of a pattern here. Uh, this <laughs> man no appears way. to be just, uh, he's like, I'm going to take the money. Oh, no, I'm caught. And yeah, that's well, like every uh, fucking just, time. Just wait, just wait and see what happens to him eventually, um, and, and, and how despite all this happening, what, what happens. Um, oh, my so, God. So during his time in prison, he would become a translator for the warden? Um, and the warden at that time was intercepting letters uh, from a mobster who was um, imprisoned there, um, Ignazio uh, the Wolf Lupo. Um, well, but Lupo, Ponzi, Lupo means wolf, by the way, in Italian. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ponzi, though, would eventually end up befriending Lupo. Um, a- another uh, prisoner that was there was uh, Charles W. Morse, who would become a role model to Ponzi. Yeah, uh, Morse had been a uh, wealthy uh, Wall Street businessman and speculator, um, who um, he was a wealthy fraud, is what he was. Yes, <laughs> unlike Samuel who, Morse, who created who Morse was able who was able to uh, get out of uh, prison early uh, by convincing the uh, prison doctors that he was in uh, poor health by eating soap shavings. Well, that's yeah, how, that's how I used to do it in school. Well, soap soap shavings back then were probably had soap itself probably had lye in it. Or something like that that was gonna fuck you up for a little while at least. Yeah, until it passed through. Yeah, you just poop. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, uh, Ponzi would eventually uh, complete his prison term uh, following uh, the release of Morse, um, but he would have to do an additional month uh, due to uh, a fifty dollar fine that he was not able to pay. <laughs> I see. Well, I'm laughing, but fifty bucks is probably like eight hundred dollars back then. Uh, Ponzi, uh, after uh, after being released from prison, uh, returned to Boston. Um, and and uh, while making his way to Boston, he would work at a mining camp as a nurse. Um, he came up with the idea of going to another mining camp, uh, starting a utility company there that would supply uh, water and power um, and selling stock in that company. Okay. Um, uh, during that time, uh, one so of wait, his like, few... So a fake company... And he's selling yes. stock in a, in a company that doesn't exist. Yeah. So it's 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 starting, boys. It's beginning. Mm. It's it the, it's it's just the dot com bubble. Yeah. Um. So during during this time, um, he would do one of his like few uh, selfless acts, where a uh, a fellow nurse uh, named uh, Pearl uh, Gossett had suffered uh, severe burns in an accident. Um. And he, and even though he wasn't really close with her, uh, Ponzi uh, volunteered for uh, to donate um, 122 square inches. 
um, of his skin from his back and legs to a uh, pearl. Cool shit. Now how, um, now how did he oh, how did he scam her on oh, that? Like, did he take uh, someone else's skin? Well, like, he well, voluntarily <laughs> gave up for for a skin graft. Ooh, my boy, it, you you might have just earned back a little bit of good karma. Holy shit! But but he would have. Um, but in but in the process, he would uh, he would suffer from uh, pleurisy. Yep. Okay. And and uh, similar That's complications. Water, that liquid around the heart sack. Or whatever. It's the the chest cavity and yeah. the lungs specifically. Yeah. I only know that because um, I was watching uh, um, Untold Stories of the ER, by the way, which is great. I feel like <laughs> fucking great show, <laughs> hilarious. My favorite one was when uh, the woman came in the uh, thing, and some other woman had hit her with like a, a high heel shoe, like a pump, and it was in her face. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I was like, oh man, Jesus Christ. Um, but due to uh, Ponzi's uh, health, uh, he would lose his job at the mine. Oh no! Damn, he can you imagine him getting fired and all the way out? He's got to be like, I donated 122 square inches of my skin, and you firing me? This guy is uh, <laughs> just straight up dumb. <laughs> well, um, he's after th- there's a certain amount of intelligence there. I mean, there has to be, right? Because he he does go on to make quite a bit of money. Um, after he. Uh, after he left the mine, he would continue to uh, travel around doing work, um, and eventually, uh, in Boston, he would meet one Rose Maria uh, Ganeco, um, who was a stenographer, and he would propose marriage to her. She was hot. Um, she was from, she was from a uh, a family of Italian American immigrants, um, and her family ran ran a fruit stall in uh, downtown Boston. All right. Um, although uh, Ponzi did not tell uh, Gnecco about his uh, time spent in prison, um, his mother did send her a letter telling her of his past. It's not a um, good way to get in with like a lady, you know, to just like yeah, walk no. out and be like, "Yep, just got out of jail." <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. For crimes, I got this idea for crimes. I just got out of jail. <laughs> um, but but despite this, she would what marry him in, in 1918. Jail for? Putting mayonnaise crimes. in my coffee. Crimes. I was in jail for crimes. I got more ideas for crimes while I was in jail. Now I'm ready to commit crimes again. Now, babe, man, I'm inevitably is- sent back to jail where I learned about more crimes so I can get released again and do better crimes for the third time. Now, mayonnaise coffee is going to put us on the map. I promise you. <laughs> now, your father is going to need to invest a lot of money in, in refrigeration because we're going to need to keep this mayonnaise cool. Oh, my God. I'm selling stocks in my company. We sell mayonnaise-flavored coffee. No, I will not be taking coffee. Ew, <laughs> dude. <laughs> the, finest, the finest Italian coffee and the richest mayonnaise money can buy. mayonnaise-flavored <laughs> coffee? Ugh. <laughs> That's not at all what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh my god, it's disgusting. Gross as fuck. Um so uh Ponzi would work for a couple months at a um at a number of businesses, one being his father in law's grocery store, um, and the import uh export company JR Pool, uh before uh hitting up uh before coming up with the idea of um to sell advertising in a large business listing uh to be sent to various businesses. Wait, so, okay. So, so essentially, he's going to make one of those, like, circular papers that, that you get in the mail, like the junk mail. Like the mini mint magazine? Or I guess, like, like whatever, where it just has, like, about, like, different... bonds for all the different businesses in it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he's unable to sell this idea to businesses, and the company fails soon afterwards. Um, 
Ponzi, though, would uh, take over his uh, wife's uh, family's uh, fruit company for a short time, um, but to uh, but but the company would fail soon afterwards. <laughs> also noticing another pattern here. <laughs> um, eventually, though, Ponzi would set up a small office at 27 School Street, Boston, in the summer of 1919, attempting to sell business ideas to, con- uh, to contacts he had in Europe. Um, okay. uh, he would receive a letter from a company in Spain asking about the advertising catalog, which included an international reply coupon. Uh, and so uh, Ponzi, um, when looking into these international reply coupons, uh, realizes a weakness in the system, which uh, theoretically could give him an opportunity to make money. Okay, and how was that? Um, so postal reply coupons, they they were a type of um, coupon that was sort of an agreement between um, different countries that allowed one person in one country to pay for the postage of a reply to a correspondent in another country. So, like, prepaid postage. It, it's essentially like a collect-call version of postage, which okay. which is an even... which is a, a, a dated comparison as well. But Bro, you just said collect-call, and I was just like, bro, y- you just alienated 99% of people who have ever heard this show. Like, what the fuck is, what is that? Call? What's a payphone? <laughs> Back in the day, guys, you could put in ten, ten, two, twenty, or one eight hundred call ATT or anything like that. And you would you would perform what is called a collect call, wherein the person that you are calling would be notified that they are receiving a call from somebody who is broke as fuck, and you were allowed to tell your name, and that's pretty much it. And then they would say, "Yeah, I'll accept the charges," or "No, I won't accept the charges." So, or if you were an idiot like me, you were at the mall and you were ready to get picked up. You know, your mom's not going to accept the charges to talk to you when they little small beep comes on that says please record your name you just hit mom come pick me up hey mom it's ryan come pick me up the mom ready to go bye mom come pick me up at high school bye (laughs) (laughs) my dad used to do it all the time my dad would always go uh like this it was funny sometimes he'd get it my mom would get it my dad would be like a little slow on the uptake and he would just be like all right i accept the charges (laughs) it's like fuck dad i just told you 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 just spent like a dollar fifty why would you do that (laughs) but then for a little while there they actually the phone company everyone what they did is they you could pay like an extra like ten dollars a month, and they'd give you an eight hundred number. It was like a special number that would dial directly to your house from any payphone. And our my parents paid for that. It was fucking cool. So, so no matter where I was, I, I dialed this number, and it would dial my parents. But we could only be on the phone for like thirty seconds or something like that. <laughs> it was stupid. That's kind of cool though. Yeah, it was cool. And let's not um, even talk about calling cards either. Oh my god. <laughs> So these uh, international reply coupons, um, they were priced at the cost of postage in the country they were purchased in, um, but they could be exchanged for stamps to cover the cost of postage in a country where they were redeemed. Um, so if these values were different, there was a potential for profit. I see. So basically, like you, you send, you send the letter, but nobody sends it back. They just take it and sell it for money instead. I well, it, instead of somebody uh, buying like. So instead of somebody in the United States buying uh, stamps to to send something uh, uh, to Italy, um, you could just like buy a bunch of these and then sell them for like the like somewhere between the the cost uh, difference. Okay. And then and then make a profit essentially because you'd have to physically be in the country to um, to to buy them at that rate. You couldn't just like. Like yeah, I want the Italian rate. <laughs> right. So he's gonna he's gonna buy them in Italy and then sell them in America. Then theoretically, this this is also like during a time period where it's not exactly easy to get between the countries. 
Um, did World War One just end? Like, how yes. did he get out of service? <laughs> did he have um, bone spurs or some shit? <laughs> he did. Huge um, gaping bone spurs. So after uh, World War One, um, in- inflation um, had had decreased the cost of uh, postage in Italy, um, which um, in-, in terms of its value in U.S. dollars. Um, so uh, an RRC could be bought uh, very cheaply in Italy in exchange for U.S. stamps at a at a higher value. Uh, which could then be sold. Um, so uh, Ponzi would claim that the net profit in these transactions after expenses and exchange rates was over uh, 400%. Holy shit, there's no way. Um, so th- this itself is a, a form of um, arbitrage, um, or uh, to, to explain what arbitrage is, it's the profiting by buying an asset at a lower price in one market and immediately selling it in a market where the price is higher. Um, which was and still is legal today. How could that ever be illegal? Like that kind of is how the whole economy functions. Exactly. You pay a lower price and you sell it at a higher cost. Yep. Well, there's it, it, there's some because it, it's a government uh, resource mm-hmm. um, that that essentially like the the buying and selling and trading of that um, in some countries that could be considered illegal because you're uh, using something that's made for the public good and then you're just like. You're, you're sort of using a weird a weird hack to uh, exploit it. Hey, don't get to be a little Ponzi. I don't know. I just have to commit the crime. Eh? Governments hate this one secret <laughs> idea. This, this is just this is just that guy with the question marks. <laughs> yeah, just oh yeah. for free. Yeah, I forget his name off the top of my head, but uh, yeah. Um, so Ponzi, uh, uh, believing he has an opportunity on his hands. Uh, he quits his job as a translator and um, puts this scheme in motion, um, but he needs a lot of uh, capital um, to buy these IRCs at a um, in lower performing European currencies. Um, so he first tries to borrow money um, from uh, several banks, including the uh, Hanover Trust Bank, um, but they weren't convinced. Um, and a manager at the bank, um, uh, Chimlinski, uh, turns him down. Okay. Um, so he he sets up a stock company to raise money from the public. Um, so he also went to several of his friends in Boston and promised that he would double their investment in ninety days. Uh, he would later increase this to forty five days at a fifty percent rate. There's um, absolutely no way. Whenever you st- okay, listen on on the real tip. Whenever you start hearing people guarantee that they can double or triple, no, just. Absolutely not. No, you cannot. This is no. You you never trust anybody who guarantees shit like that. No such thing as a guaranteed investment. Absolutely not. Usually, if it's a guaranteed investment, there's some criminal aspect to it. If it's a yeah. guaranteed investment, you're guaranteed to go to jail if law enforcement finds out about it. So <laughs> you know, roll that dice if you want to. He would uh, he would increase this later to 45 days at 50, percent uh, which would double the investments in three months. Um, in an environment when banks were only paying about 5% annual interest. Absolutely incredible anybody would fall for this. <laughs> well, you figure um, average people are not that intelligent. I mean, like, a lot, at the time, too, public education, well, it's like, even, public education well, it's like, was very limited. People were working at younger ages. Um, well, it's like... It's like people collecting uh, any any sort of like commodity yeah. that that doesn't really have like an exact value. Like for instance, like uh, Bitcoin is the most notable one where people are just putting their life savings into it, and they're like, we're, we're going to see record profits because the the people who were like pushing it were were claiming that you would get these types of returns. You know, so the thing was like, oh, Bitcoin's going to be worth like ten thousand dollars a coin soon, and then you'll all be laughing. Yep. 
I mean, to be fair, didn't it hit like $60,000 a coin? <laughs> I don't think it ever hit that high. I know it hit some astronomical. It, it hit a, it hit a high it, it hit a high it hit a high amount and there was like I, I think it was a hundred thousand. There was like one there was like one benchmark there that, that they kept saying like we're gonna get there in no time and then like it, it just like crashed and cratered. Right. The highest all time high was in twenty twenty one. It was over sixty five thousand US per coin. Now that is to say, if you got what a in on Bitcoin thing. on the ground floor in like two thousand one, because it was a joke you, at the time. That's what I'm but, saying, and you had held well, on to it. Then well, Ryan, this is the thing which we'll talk about is it's it, much like this the Ponzi scheme. If you get in early and then you just get out, you're fine. Yeah, but the problem is people don't get out. People stay in, and people also when they get the return on their investment. They invest that further. Boy, greed is a motherfucker, isn't it? Um, so he he explains that this is because of uh, that. This is all possible due to the uh, due to the returns that he can get from his um, his IRC scheme um, and uh, his internet relay chat scheme. Yes, <laughs> the, the the international reply coupon scheme. I'll say, what's his username? <laughs> <laughs> XX Ponzi XX. <laughs> just just direct connect to him. He he's gonna yeah. send you some. Files. Just do an XDCC. He's gonna send you some files. Oh my god! Um, the out, these are files. They got the money in them. Some multi soldi. Well, the internet was a fucking wild west wasteland back in the day, boy. Oh yeah, it still is. Um, so uh, some people uh, who were, uh, as I as I mentioned, some people invested and were paid off as promised by Ponzi. Uh, they received seven hundred and fifty dollars interest on initial investments of uh, twelve hundred and fifty dollars. So if you were the first one in, you were good to go. Um, in January nineteen twenty, uh, Ponzi starts his own company, the Securities Exchange Company. Um, and- <laughs> I'm sorry, the what? <laughs> the what? Securities a- Exchange Company. Is isn't that? Okay, Operation wait, 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 wait. It's Iraqi like, it's one, Liberation. It's, isn't it's that one the, word. Is it the SEC? It's it's one word away from the uh, the Securities Exchange Commission. The commission. Okay. How how did the, did the SEC exist at, this, at the time? I don't think it did. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't think it exists until after the Great Depression. That's what I was thinking. I had the same thought Ryan had, but then I was like, wait a minute, SEC didn't exist yet, did it? It was yeah. It was formed in 1934. Oh, okay. wow! So, so they they so they they expressly created it because of you know Ponzi uh, Ponzi <laughs> Ponzi schemes and also like the massive amount of speculation that caused like the global market to collapse. I'll tell you though, hey, like listen. if you want to be remembered forever, he really went about it the right way, you know. <laughs> yeah, if you want to be remembered as a douchebag, like I don't. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, I mean, yeah, Rush Limbaugh technically went, went about it the right way if you want to be remembered forever, too. But, like, that's uh, not what you want to be remembered for. No, if, you no. want to, if you want to, if you want to eventually do some, uh, do so many uh, pain pills that you lose your hearing and you, you live in a Rococo nightmare, then yes. A Rococo I mean, to be fair, nightmare. Is, that sounds like an indie, like, emo band, Rococo nightmare. I mean, to be fair, by him dying, it did open up the world's first outdoor unisex bathroom. So, I mean... Excuse? Huh? <laughs> School scene? Basically, I'm making a pilgrimage, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> we'll talk later. Okay. Um, so, in the first month uh, of the company being open, 18 people invested uh, about a total of $1,800. 
Um, he paid them all promptly uh, the very next month, and the money he obtained from them was from a newer set of investors. Um, he would eventually set up a larger building, this time in the Niles Building on School Street in Boston. Um, so as this is all happening, uh, word is beginning to in, um, to spread about Ponzi, and investments are increasing rapidly. Um, he would get agents, um, and he would hire um, that they hired, and he would pay them generous, uh, generously um, in commissions. Um, and between February and March of 1920, the total amount invested um, in his company had risen from five thousand uh, dollars to twenty five thousand dollars. Now, which is a, that's crazy. Which, which in today's money is the equivalent of seventy thousand to uh, three hundred and forty thousand. Oh boy! If you do that nowadays, the federal government is. Yeah, I know, I right? Like to talk to you. Joe Biden just shows <laughs> up. All I'm, all I'm saying is that Charles Ponzi would have loved TikTok. <laughs> oh, my God. Absolutely. TikTok and YouTube, he'd just be on there like like those guys who's like, guy. it's like, you're never actually a dad. <laughs> I said Steve, who was like a sovereign citizen for like debt, saying like, you don't actually have debt. The debt company has the debt because they bought the debt. It's like, that that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean what you think it does. Yeah, but Jerry. You went to court. Does that flag have gold fringe on it? Then it's not a real courtroom. <laughs> Jerry, they're the ones who are writing it off. Um, so Ponzi would uh, would hire agents to seek out investors as well um, throughout New England and New Jersey, expanding his operation. Um, so at that time, investors were being paid um, impressive rates, uh, which encouraged others to invest. Um, by May of 1920, he had made uh, $420,000. Which is the equivalent is the, of $45 billion. <laughs> uh, close, $5,700,000 in today's buddy. Oh, my God. Uh, by June of 1920, he uh, people had invested $2.5 million in his schemes, which is the equivalent of $34 million in today's money. That's fucking insane, bro. Um, in, you just uh, said by May. Okay, you said in May he had $5.7 million. And then in June, he had effectively thirty-four million. Yes, um, and uh, and, it, and by July of nineteen twenty, um, he was making about a million dollars per week, and this rate was increasing. By the end of July, he was approaching a million dollars per day. What the fuck is he doing? Streaming on Twitch? Like, how does this guy? What? Um, so Ponzi began depositing uh, the money that he made in the uh, aforementioned Hanover Trust Bank um, in Boston. Which was a a small uh, a small bank on the Hanover Street uh, on on Hanover Street in the uh, in the north end of Boston. Yeah, um, figured to be in a friendly neighborhood, being it's all Italians up there in the north end. Um, <laughs> in the it, and this was uh, in the hopes that his account was large enough that he could um, control the bank or even be made president of the bank. Um, he would eventually buy a controlling interest in the bank uh, through himself and several friends after depositing $3 million in the bank. Um, so by uh, July of 1920, uh, as, as I mentioned, he's making millions. Um, people are, are mortgaging their homes and investing their life savings in his scheme. Um, and uh, most um, did, not, um, did not take their profits and walk away. Um, they instead reinvested them. Um, and uh, Ponzi, as well, is expanding uh, his company by opening up branches um, throughout uh, New England, everywhere from Maine down to New Jersey. Hmm. Um, so even though uh, his uh, company is bringing in uh, large amounts of money each day, um, very simple financial analysis uh, would have shown that his company was running at a huge loss. Um, 
So as long as the money keeps flowing in, as we know from a Ponzi scheme, the existing investors could uh, be paid with the new money that's coming in. Sounds a lot like um, Amazon.com. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, you know, like for like that was the big thing with Bezos for like 20 years. He was running at a loss. Oh, yeah. I mean, but to be fair, I think most successful businesses in the they end, do. You, like all that you got to start the first five years or something like three yeah. to five years. You run at a loss. You have to assume it. Yeah. Basil just really pushed that to a limit of 20 years of fucking loss. I know. Whatever it was, it was just crazy. It was, oh, they were always talking about it. But like, I don't know how they make any money. Like, I don't know. It's probably from setting up uh, Amazon Web Services. That's mm. a big part of how they make money now. But yeah, they've become. I'm, I'm sure it's just putting in all the groundwork to get, I think it's from, to get a thing of that size going. I think going. It, was, it had to do with the books going away from. Uh, going away from selling just books to selling everything else, too. That was a big part of it, and Prime made them a lot of money, too. Yeah. Um, so the only the only uh, method that Ponzi had in order to uh, provide returns to his existing investors was to, um, was to take new money that was coming in. He had no actual means to generate a legitimate profit. <laughs> Um, so a, a lot of Ponzi's uh, initial investors uh, were mostly uh, working class immigrants like himself. Um, but uh, gradually, um, even people at the higher end of uh, the social stratum of Boston would eventually begin to um, invest in the scheme, such as uh, members of what's referred to as the Boston Brahmins, um, who were like sort of like the Protestant, like old money, um, like upper class of, new, of uh, Boston. It's those fucks from across the Charles over there in Cambridge. <laughs> the 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 ones the ones that uh, Jack Kennedy hated so much or Joe Kennedy, those fucking pricks in their high rises on the other side of the Charles. Fuck them, every single one of them. Um. So um. At its uh, at its peak, um. About seventy five percent of Boston's police force was invested in the scheme. Um, <laughs> he got nobody him. ever accused him of being smart. <laughs> um. And even um. And even uh, Ponzi's uh, uh uh, close relatives, such as his brother-in-law, invested in a scheme, um, and even his chauffeur. He did not dissuade anyone uh, from investing in it. Um, so, and and everyone. Look, from, let me let uh, you in on a little thing here. You drive my car every day, so I'm going to let you know. Don't invest. <laughs> There's no uh, money. But, in typical it. piece of shit. Typical piece of shit. Any money's good money. He don't care where it's coming from. Nope. He will. If you are dying on your deathbed, he's like, oh yeah, less than fifty percent interest return, guaranteed. Oh, um. God. So. Uh, Ponzi would allow anyone to invest this scheme, everybody down from uh, newspaper boys who would invest um, a, a few dollars um, to, uh, to to rich individuals such as a, a banker from Lawrence, Kansas, uh, who invested $10,000 in the scheme. Brother, how long was this going on? Um, it goes on for uh, a couple years. Yeah, how? Years? How? How? Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll see. Okay, all right. I'm very annoyed. Um, so, um, eventually, though, uh, like I said, that he's um, that, that he hasn't found a way to actually uh, make a profit, and he hasn't found a way to actually change the um, the the international reply coupons for for cash. So, so he's never actually worked out the the actual like like way that his scheme works. That people are just investing in the idea of the scheme, and, and that he's just like doing the Ponzi scheme. He's just paying off the new investors. He's never actually figured out to do the thing that he said he was going to do. He's literally the fucking <laughs> meme. It's one, buy IRC coupons. Two, blank underline. Three, 
profit. Well, he, well here's, he's a fucking walking meme, dog. <laughs> here, here's the thing that happened, though, is that uh, he realizes soon after uh, starting this that changing the uh, changing the IRC coupons for money is, is logistically impossible. Um, logistically or like physically? so so to give an example when he first starts off he has 18 investors um and so for their 1800 dollars investment it would have taken fifty three thousand uh postal coupons to actually realize the the profits that he promised oh boy um so oh for the, so, for the, uh, so for the fifteen thousand investors that he had he would have had to fill um uh, an ocean liner the size of the titanic uh with postal coupons just to ship it from the u.s uh to europe or from uh ship them to the u.s from europe did anyone make money off this guy yeah the first, i'm, I'm the sure first there's probably people some did. people who walked away but a lot of people uh you said the first few people made a bunch of money right because yeah but they, they keep reinvesting ah, which yes. is also fueling the scheme because because be the true. same so, because I'm guessing that if the the initial investors had walked away, it would have become more difficult, and the scam probably would have uh, fallen away faster. I but, guess also two people actually benefiting and actually getting fifty percent interest over the course of ninety days or forty five days because they're because they're because they're investing their money, and it'll probably get to a point where they're just investing like somebody else's money, depending on how they're doing it, unless mm. they're like doubling up or or which which seems like some people were doing like they're investing all their money. And then when they got their return, they were just doing it over again. Yeah, he, he sh- if he was smart, he would like, nah, you're one and done. That's it. <laughs> um, Ponzi himself would live uh, would live in luxury. Um, he bought a mansion in Lexington, Massachusetts. Ooh. Um, and he uh, maintained accounts in uh, banks across uh, New England, um, besides the uh, Hanover Trust Bank, which he um, which he controlled. Um, he would also buy a a locomobile. <clears throat> a fucking what? <laughs> a what? <laughs> a locomobile, a which was locomobile. the which was the uh, the most expensive car at that it's a time. Crazy car. I mean, get it? Locomobile. It's it's Stanley's. Uh, what's his face from The Simpsons, the original creator of uh, Itchy and Scratchy? No. Did he not want like a Model T? Like what? Or was that well, a, a, well, locomobile is like that, like. Like sort of like the like a Dragula. It's like one of those cars. Oh, okay. Oh, so so instead of being like a bottle T, it's like a. So not only is this guy an idiot and a scumbag <laughs> criminal, he's a complete idiot who's driving around in a car that's super easy to notice. Like he can't escape because if he tries to run away, everyone's gonna be like, hey, "I saw Ponzi's car go by. How'd you know it's him? It's the only one that's got a fucking uh, steer horns coming out of the side to open the door." <laughs> with that, with a horn that plays like a cucaracha. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you know it's him? Did you see the fucking thing? You can't miss him, bro. You can't miss him. I don't know how he got by. Um, the, I don't know how he got by the checkpoint, chief. <laughs> he he had uh he had planned to uh buy um a um he, he had planned to buy a a first class uh or two first class tickets to Italy for he and his wife for a delayed honeymoon, but he decided said to uh to change them to bring his mother uh from Italy to the US um in first class to come live with them. Mama, I'm um, doing she, so good, I'm gonna make it a money. She would uh she would live with them, but she would die um soon after. Yeah. On July thirty first, nineteen twenty uh, uh, Ponzi uh, told Father uh, Pascale uh, de uh, Demilia 
the director of Italian's children's home in Jamaica Plain, that he would donate $100,000 in honor of his mother. Um, he also bought a, a macaroni and a company and also part of a wine company in an attempt to generate profits that he could use to repay his investors. Um, but um, this um, but this doesn't really work out. Awful um, stereotyping of, of, of my man, Mr. Ponza here, buying macaroni companies and wine companies. Like, the stereotype's got to stop. What do I know about the restaurant <laughs> business? Um, so, like I said, this... <laughs> His his uh, his his rise only goes on for a year. I was mistaken saying um, it was uh, went on for uh, a couple a couple years. Only went on for a couple months, or I should say, like most of a year. Um, so uh, him coming to his uh, rise generally draws uh, suspicions um, from people. Oh, finally, um, Jesus. So a uh, Boston financial writer suggested that there was no way that Ponzi could obviously legally deliver on his high returns in such a short matter of time, uh, but Ponzi would sue the writer uh, for libel and won $500,000 in damages. Which he used to pay wow. back his investor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's immediately what he used to turn around and say, oh, look at all this money that you guys just made for me investing. Um, so at this um, at this time, the libel laws were written in a place that the uh, burden of proof was uh, placed upon the writer and the publisher uh, for, um, uh, for such uh, things. Um, and so this neutralizes any um, serious uh, probing of his dealings because they'd have to have the evidence to actually make the accusations against him. Yeah, the, you know, what I'm seeing in my head is just uh, Roman Maroney from Johnny Dangerously. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> I'd like to read from a prepared statement. This son of a bitch in country was founded <laughs> so that the rights of common patriotic citizens like me could not be taken away by a bunch of fucking assholes like yourselves. Thank you. Um, but um, despite this, um, other um, uh, other uh, signs that that he was that his uh, scheme was coming to an end, such as one uh, Joseph Daniels, a Boston furniture dealer who had given uh, Ponzi furniture, uh, which he could not afford to pay for, uh, sued Ponzi um, uh, to cash in um, on the the amount of money he was making. Did he um, win? This loss, no. This this lawsuit was unsuccessful, uh, but it did prompt people to begin asking uh, how Ponzi could have gone from uh, being uh, poor and destitute to being a millionaire in only um, about like five six months time. Yeah, yeah. And he would just Very say, suspicious. "Have you seen the commercials with the guy in the question mark jacket?" That's how I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he in jail now though? For nah, that guy's not because he was just it was just regular. He, uh, I think his name was Timothy something, but it was just like regular yeah. uh, government programs. There was nothing was special really, about it. Well, I think he did go to jail for a brief period, but... Yeah, nah. he, was, he was at 2 o'clock in the morning telling you how to skirt the IRS. That dude is absolutely doing time at some Matthew, point. Matthew Lesko, let's see. Uh, yeah, Lesko. Yeah, nah, I don't him. think he went to jail, but all right. Good. I'm just saying, I, I think he did go to jail. You can't just say that. <laughs> no, I, I do. I do feel like I read something about him going to jail. I don't know, man. For what? Nah, he wasn't in jail. Uh, he he was sued, I guess, for having misleading advertisements, but that was it. Uh, um. So on July twenty fourth, nineteen twenty, the Boston Post writes a. Uh, they print a favorable um, article, or well, um, before that. Um, after this um, 
after these uh, sort of people um, uh, begin questioning the company, uh, there's a run on the securities exchange company um, as some investors decide to um, s- decide to pull out. Um, well, but a run uh, Ponzi, on it means that everyone's selling, right? Well, that that means everyone's yeah, everyone's trying to pull their money out right, of it, right? right. Like like the bank, no, just like, so everyone knows, yeah. Um, so uh, Ponzi uh, pays them, and, and the run uh, stops because he's actually able to pay them. They're just like, oh well, I, I guess we were wrong. Um, on on July twenty fourth, nineteen twenty, the fucking guy is such an asshole. My God, he's so lucky too. He's incredibly lucky because I feel like if everybody was like, no, fuck this, give me my money, immediately the house. No, no, you don't need your money. It's, it's invested right now. No, I got thirty six more days to come up with another thirty five thousand dollars for you. Yeah. Hey, trust the old Mister Ponzi. You sign it on the line. Um, but the uh, Boston Post prints a, a favorable article on Ponzi. Um, and and his scheme and um, and his uh, company and this brings in um, more investors than ever. Um, so uh, at that time, uh, Ponzi was making around two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a day, um, <laughs> which is two hundred and fifty billion in today's money. That's insane, man. Um, his uh, good fortune was also increased by the fact that just below the favorable article, uh, which seemed to imply that he was indeed returning fifty percent. Um, on investments after only 45 days was a, a bank advertisement that stated that the bank was paying 5% returns annually. So people see a legitimate bank uh, advertised underneath him and they see that he's paying out like 10 times as much as they are in a, a short amount of time. Yeah, I mean, good lord. God, like, it's funny just to look at it now. You're like, that is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard of getting on, in the face with this scam. On, but, like, can you imagine being back then and seeing people get paid out? Like, you're watching your friends invest in this and you're getting paid out. It's not surprising that he took so many people for money. Um, the following day, after the article had been published, um, the um, Ponzi arrived at, uh, to find that thousands of, of people were waiting to give him their money. Boston never fails to amaze. Um, so, 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 despite the uh, the post writing this glowing article of them, the publisher uh, Richard uh, Grozier, um, who was uh, who was running the who was writing the paper in absence of his uh, father, the the owner and publisher of the paper, um, and and a city uh, city editor um, Edie uh, Dunn, um, they were uh, suspicious of Ponzi and assigned investigative reporters to look into him. Um, he was also um, under investigation by Massachusetts authorities. And on the day the Post printed its article, uh, Ponzi met with state officials. Um, he was able to uh, divert the officials from checking his books by offering to stop taking money f- uh, during the investigation, um, <clears throat> which was um, which was fortunate for him because he was not actually keeping any proper uh, records. This dude is so fucked. <laughs> oh my um, God. So he was uh, he was able to uh, temporarily calm uh, officials. Um, and, and suspicions from them by, by doing this. On July 26, the Post uh, started a series of articles and asked hard questions about the operations of Ponzi's uh, business. The paper contacted uh, Clarence Barron, a financial journalist who headed the Dow Jones um, and company, um, to examine Ponzi's, uh, Ponzi's uh, business. Uh, Barron observed that though uh, Ponzi was offering fantastic returns on investments, he himself was not investing with his own company. So, time out real quick. What was his company supposedly doing? Was it still the IRC coupons? Yes, it's still exchanging the coupons. Okay. 
Now, which, is he telling people this, that that's what his business is? Yes, and because we'll, we'll get to how Baron points out that the improbability of his company. Right, um, okay. So uh, Baron uh, noted that to cover investments made with the security uh, exchange company, that 160 million postal reply coupons would have to be in circulation. Um, however, there were only 27,000 in circulation. The The U.S. Post Office would state that postal reply Uh-oh. coupons were not being bought in quantity at home or abroad either. Uh-oh. Um, the gross profit margin in percent of, on buying and selling each IRC uh, was uh, colossal, but the overhead required to handle the purchase and redemption of these items, which were of extremely low cost and were sold individually, would have exceeded the gross profit. Meaning that while while you could make a lot of money, the process of getting it is not is not feasible. Mm. I feel like I'm in my treehouse and I'm feeling the board splinter beneath my feet. <laughs> it's gonna fall apart. <laughs> uh, Baron also noted that if Ponzi was doing what he claimed to do. He would effectively be profiting at the expense of the government, um, uh, either um, either the Italian or U.S. government, uh, where the, the coupons were bought. And he said for that reason, he argued that his operation, while legitimate, uh, was, was immoral for taking advantage of a government program in this way. All right, let me tell you this right now. If he had a legitimate business, I don't give a fuck about the immorality of taking advantage of a government. Fuck off it is the government who decides what price to set their IRCs at and what price to set their stamps at there's no such thing as immorality when it comes well, to from the government what what's i wouldn't say it's like the equivalent but it's almost like like welfare fraud like like you're essentially using a program that's created to help like small businesses and things like that um uh, in order for them to like do business and, and give them a helping hand and, and you're turning it into a vehicle to just make personal profit yeah but he's also not really buying Yes, he's he's not, but that's why that that's really why he's saying if he was actually doing it, then the act would be immoral. Ah, uh, okay, I see what you're saying. Um, so the the articles caused a, a panic and a run on the uh, securities exchange company. Thank um, you for not saying the SEC because I was okay. <laughs> Get me very confused. It causes a run on the Southeast Conference. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Ponzi would pay out $2 million in three days uh, to the uh, wild crowd that would develop outside of his office. Um, he would uh, canvas the crowd, passing out co- uh, coffee and donuts, and he cheerfully told them that they had nothing to worry about. Um, this would cause uh, some to change their minds um, and leave their money with him. Yeah, um, he but- threw out fucking donkeys into the crowd. Of course, everybody's going to change their minds. <laughs> it's the middle of fucking Boston. <laughs> <laughs> but, but despite this... it. Um, this would attract the attention of Daniel Gallagher, the U.S. attorney for the District of Massachusetts. Um, Gallagher <laughs> the commissioned Gallagher. He, he destroyed donuts with his, his fucking gigantic mallet. <laughs> uh, Gallagher commissioned uh, Edwin Pride to audit the Securities Exchange Company's books, um, an effort that was made difficult due to the fact that Ponzi's bookkeeping system was mainly just index cards with investors' names on them. <laughs> this, is, this is the account for <laughs> Phil. <laughs> oh, no. no oh, Mrs. Mrs. Henderson's file fell behind desk. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way this is fucking real. What? Oh, um, my God. <laughs> um, so while this is going on, uh, Ponzi hires a publicist, uh, William McMasters. Um, but uh, despite... The, uh, Despite being hired by him, McMaster's quickly becomes suspicious of Ponzi's endless talk of postal reply coupons, as well as the ongoing investigation against him. 
he would later describe Ponzi as a quote-unquote financial idiot who did not seem to know uh, how to do simple math. Um, the the denouement uh, for uh, Ponzi began in late July. The uh, when McMa- Is that what you meant? De- yeah, the denouement. No, it's the denouement, Steve. Okay, don't correct <laughs> the him. The denouement. <laughs> it's not the denouement. Well, it's not, it's it's not, it's not, it's not Ma because it's M-E-N-T. Yeah, it's denouement. Yeah, denouement. It's French. So stupid. I'm so stupid. <laughs> I imagine if he's sitting there, he's like, I do history. You're allowed not to mispronounce a word. I'm not like condemning you here. I'm stupid, Steve. No, that's we not where we're going with your, this. We have you here for your un- otherworldly knowledge. <laughs> You're of history, very not knowledgeable. For your to I don't give a shit, shit if you can pronounce denouement. <laughs> and you know the word, it just looks weird. Fucking French. Um. <laughs> 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 oh man Sacre bleu Oh um, my god So uh, McMaster's uh, during this time Finds several uh, incriminating documents uh, <laughs> Several <that> indicated, incriminating <laughs> index cards <laughs> <laughs> that, that indicated that Ponzi was in fact um, Doing the uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul scheme Oh god Okay so they knew um, what that was That was not a new thing yeah, okay. so it's it's like a it's like a known scam. So we only call it uh, the Ponzi scam because of how egregious he was. Yeah, because of how like how much of a colossal scale. Like if it wasn't already named, it, it would probably be like the Madoff scheme. I got you. Okay. Like how going forward, if you purchase a company that just tanks, you're just going to be called like musking it up. Because I think like that. <laughs> I, I think stuff. because like as we've as we've seen, he's just so like wildly like like crazy. This is. With at least with like like Madoff, there was at least the veneer that he knew what he was doing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like he he had at least had financial knowledge. Yeah, right. And and he could like he could show it off, but like like Ponzi's just an absolute idiot. Yeah, he's just a complete dumbass. Yeah. Um. But uh, McMaster soon after finding these documents uh, goes to Grosier, his uh, former employer, uh, with this information. Um, Grosier offers him uh, $5,000 for the story, which was then printed in the Post on August 2nd, 1920. Um, McMaster's article declared that um, that Ponzi was, uh, was uh, insolvent and reported that while he claimed $7 million in liquid funds, he was actually at least $2 million in debt. Oh, man, that's not good. Um, with the interest um, owed on his debt, uh, McMaster's wrote, uh, Ponzi was as much as $4.5 million in debt. Um, so this story causes a massive run um, that uh, that Ponzi uh, paid off in one day. Um, he then um, he then sped up plans to uh, to make a massive conglomerate that would engage in um, banking and import-export operations in order to oh. try to circumvent this. No, he's so fucked. What happened to his macaroni company? <laughs> Was he bought out by Barilla? Those sons of bitches. You're goddamn right he was. <laughs> Chef, Chef Boyardee. <laughs> he, just, he just punctured all the tires in his locomobile. <laughs> had a bunch of had a bunch of large like thugs wearing like a wearing like a cook's out, wearing cook outfits, you know, those white like cook outfits. <laughs> The chef don't take it too kindly to competition in this neighborhood. <laughs> just, just throws a Molotov cocktail through a window of one of his businesses. He's like, ah, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> I got a cocktail of a beefaroni, bitch. 
Um, the Massachusetts Bank Commissioner Joseph Allen uh, became concerned that if um, that if major withdrawals um, exhausted Ponzi's reserves, um, it would uh, possibly uh, uh, like damage and um, paralyze Boston's banking system. Um, Allen's uh, suspicions uh, were also aroused uh, when he found out a large number of Ponzi-controlled accounts had received more than $250,000 in loans from Hanover Trust. Um, this led Allen to speculate that Ponzi was not nearly as well-financed as he claims since he was getting large loans from the uh, bank that he, that, he have, that he pretty much owned. Um, so he had, um, he, he had two bank examiners uh, keep an eye on Ponzi's accounts. On August 9th, uh, the bank examiners reported that um, that enough investors had uh, cashed their checks on Ponzi's account, uh, main account there that it was almost uh, uh, overdrawn um, like, or, how, or how definitely take, overdrawn. How does it take this long to realize that, though? Because like, it's, it's all on paper. It, it's all like paper and triplicate. Like, like it's not it's not easy to like to like kite checks today. But it was like a lot easier to kite checks like back then, and, and check kiting is essentially where you, you you steal a check from somebody or or you you yourself, if if you're if you're even dumber, just write bad checks because uh-huh. it takes time to cash them. Which is also one of the reasons why for for people who aren't familiar with checks because nobody really uses them anymore, yeah. is that a lot of places wouldn't accept checks for that reason. Uh huh. Um. So uh, Alan ordered that the Hanover Trust not uh, pay out um, any more checks from Ponzi's main account. He also um, orchestrated a um, a bankruptcy filing um, involuntarily uh, for the bank um, uh, um, by uh, several uh, of the investors in the scheme. Um, this move would force the Massachusetts Attorney General, uh, J. Weston Allen, to release a statement that there was little uh, to support Ponzi's claims of large-scale dealings in postal coupons. Um, state officials then invited uh, Ponzi's uh, note holders to come to the Massachusetts State House to furnish their names and addresses for the purpose of the investigation. Note holders being people who invested with this guy. Yeah, pe- people who are o- holders of, of the investments in okay. the Securities Exchange Company. Um, so on that day as well, uh, Ponzi received a preview of Pride's audit, which revealed that Ponzi was at least $7 million in debt. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's on, a lot on- of macaroni. That's a on, spicy meat the ball. <laughs> on August 11th, 1920, uh, this would all come to a head. Um, uh, the first thing that happened was the Post would come out with a front-page story about his criminal activities in Montreal 13 years previous, um, including his uh, f- uh, check uh, forgery conviction um, and his role in the bank. Um, there, the, the Zerosi Bank. Okay. Um, that afternoon, the bank commissioner, uh, uh, Allen, he seized uh, Hanover Trust due to its uh, numerous irregularities. Um, so the uh, the commissioner, in doing this, um, foiled uh, Ponzi's plan to uh, "quote unquote" borrow funds from the bank vaults as a last resort in the event all other um, all, all other attempts to gain uh, funds had failed. Steve, is there a is there a possibly a Scooby Doo episode that has Ponzi in it? <laughs> you know. I'm sure. It's got to be, right? <laughs> it's it's one of the ones with like the Harlem Globetrotters. Like Zoink or... Scoob, he's using niggas' investments to pay off the other investments. We got him, Raggy. It was one of the it was one of the lost episodes with Larry Bird and they have to solve uh this Boston-based crime. Yeah. <laughs>
but they had to stop it because Larry's just like drunk and just belligerent the whole time. <laughs> and Mark Wahlberg keeps showing up beating up Asians in the streets. Oh my god! Hey, how you doing? What? Which part of Asia are you from? Hmm. hmm? Why does that matter? <laughs> well, it depends. How many times am I going to hit you? Hmm? <laughs> I'm in great shape. I'm in great shape. <laughs> Guy literally has an Instagram full of him posting himself getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and being in good shape. It's like, okay, good job. Yeah, c- c- congratulations, yeah. man. Gold um, star. So by the morning of August 12th, uh, Ponzi's certificate of deposit at the uh, Hanover Trust, um, which had initially been worth $1.5 million, was reduced to $1 million after bank officials tapped into it to cover the overdraft. Um, so if, if he was, had been able to convert it into cash, he would have only had $4 million in assets. Wow. Um, uh, amid reports that he was about to be arrested that day, uh, Ponzi surrendered to federal authorities that morning and accepted Pride's figures. Um, he was charged with mail fraud and sending letters to his, um, to his, um, his marks or victims, telling them that their notes had matured. Um, he was originally released on $25,000 bail and was immediately rearrested on state charges of varsity for which he posted an additional $10,000 bond. They're going to let him post fucking bond. He's from Italy, dog. He's going to run. Um, so what after, the fuck? After the post released the results of the audit, the bail bondsman feared Ponzi might flee the country and there withdrew the bail for the federal charges. Fine. Um, took the fucking bail bondsman, the guy with bars on his windows to be the smartest person in the room to be like, um... I don't want his ass having a bond, you fucking clowns. He's going to be on the first Altalia flight out of here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, Massachusetts Attorney General uh, Allen declared that if Ponzi managed to regain his freedom, the state would seek additional charges and seek a bail high enough to ensure Ponzi would stay in custody. Um, okay, but the- see, now we're talking about violating his constitutional rights. Everybody is entitled to a bail, but, you know, whatever. Um, so the the news of all this happening uh, brings down five banks in addition to the Hanover Trust Bank. Um, so all of Ponzi's investors were practically wiped out. Uh, they they each received less than thirty cents to the dollar of what they invested. Um, they lost about twenty million dollars in nineteen twenty money, which is about um, two hundred and seven million dollars in today's money. Um, so to compare this to Bernie Madoff, who I've been to to compare this to Bernie Madoff, I've been um, sort of comparing throughout this um, when his uh, when his scheme collapsed in 2008 it cost investors about 18 billion which is about 53 times the amount of losses in Ponzi's scheme mm-hmm. um, so uh, Ponzi had two federal indictments he was charged with 86 counts of mail fraud and faced life imprisonment um, after the urging of his wife uh, Ponzi pleaded guilty on November 1st 1920 to a single count before Judge Clarence Hale who declared before sentencing, here was a man with all the duties of seeking large money. He concocted a scheme which, on his counsel's admission, did defraud men and women. It will not do to have the world understand that such a scheme as that can be carried out without receiving substantial punishment. Um, Ponzi was sentenced to five years in federal prison. What? 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 Yeah. Oh. Because he, he pleaded guilty. Give a fuck. Like, the judge um, literally just got done saying substantial punishment. That little five years. It was also, like, 1920s prison. <laughs> okay. 1920s um, prison, like, uh, 
like in New Jersey, like the work farm, like where they could just leave and come back at the end of the day and shit. <laughs> he was locked up with Carl Panzram. Like he was not going to have a good time. Is what he's yeah, yeah, say. I got you. <laughs> um, so Ponzi was released after three and a half years. Um, it was immediately indicted on 22 state charges of varsity, which came as a surprise to him because he thought the deal that he had cut with the federal government um, precluded him from having any charges brought against him by the state. Isn't isn't that double jeopardy, though? Well, this, this is what happens is that he sues the state of Massachusetts, claiming that he would be facing double jeopardy if they retried him for the same exactly. offenses in the federal indictment. But in his case, Ponzi versus uh, uh, Fessenden... Um, it made it, uh, which went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And on March 27, 1922, the Supreme Court ruled that the federal plea bargains had no standing regarding state charges. Um, yeah, but it's it, the same. It's no, it's the same crime. Well, this is this is where you're wrong because it ruled that Ponzi was not facing double jeopardy because Massachusetts was charging him with larceny, while the federal government charged him with mail fraud, even yeah, though the charges implicated the same criminal operation. That's what I'm saying. It's the same crime. You're just basically charging him with two different, like, quote unquote, breaking of two different laws. Well, it's a, it's a different it's a different crime. aspect of the crime, which which is like triable. Uh... So it's different. He, he committed so many crimes that they were able to, like, <laughs> get it from another angle. It's not just like, oh, we're going to get it for that one thing again. It's like, no, it's like, <laughs> it's like it's like homeboy committed so many crimes. We're just going to we're just going to get it for this other one that he did in the. OK, because I was like, because technically you can't be tried for the same crime. Yeah, because because mail, mail fraud is. Mail fraud and larceny are different. It was right, a different right. aspect of his operation. Right. Okay. Um, so on, on in October of 1922, yeah, because because one of the reasons why uh, they got him for mail fraud federally is because he was sending letters over state lines saying that the bonds had matured when they didn't actually exist. Bro, the feds always get you for the dumbest fucking shit. Al Capone, boom, taxes. Ponzi, mail fraud. Dog, they get you for the well, dumbest shit, and then they hit you with everything well, once they got one you. of the reasons for that is because like most of his crimes that he committed in in Massachusetts could only be tried by the government of Massachusetts yeah because he's in Massachusetts yeah so it, it's it's a lot it's a lot more difficult to prove like larceny and stuff like that because it's 1920 and he's like sending letters mm, yeah okay um on October in October of 1922 uh Ponzi was tried for the first 10 larceny counts um, God, he's so fucked. <laughs> um, so since he was insolvent at this time, he served as his own attorney and um, and and as, speaking as pers- uh, persuasively as he had with his uh, duped investors was acquitted by the jury of all charges. Wow. He was there tried. Was no fucking way, bro. Is he that charismatic? I, I believe so. If he, he got off that time and then the second time. For on five charges, uh, on five of the rating charges, the jury was uh, deadlocked. Um, during a third trial, uh, Ponzi was found guilty and was sentenced to an additional seven to nine years in prison um, as a quote unquote common and notorious thief. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, during his time in prison, um, despite what he had done, he continued to receive Christmas cards from some of his more gullible investors, as well as requests from others to invest their money from his prison cell. That's fair. I mean, all these like big time serial killer heavy hitters still get letters from women who are just like wanted to marry them while they were doing like life in prison. I think you're just great. You're peaches, like Dahmer and Bundy. You know, like they got wild mountains like fan mail. Yep. There was also an attempt. 
There was also an attempt in 1922 to have him deported as an undesirable alien, um, but this did not succeed. Um, Italy didn't want to take him. <laughs> yeah, it was like, fuck no. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to pass. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, is it your problem now, eh? <laughs> it took us this long to get rid of the Sama, my bitch. Um, in September of 1925, uh, Ponzi was released on bail as he appealed the state conviction. Um, he would flee to the Springfield neighborhood of Jacksonville, Florida, and what? launch the Charpon Land Syndicate. Um, what? Charpon is an <laughs> is an amalgamation of his name. Um, <laughs> he was a Florida man. God damn right he was. So, so Charpon is, is a combination only- of of uh, Charlie or Charles and uh, Ponzi. The only uh, rational way for him to end his life is here in Florida. And, and he and he uh, he planned to capitalize on the Florida land boom. Um, he offered investors tiny tracts of land, uh, some of which were underwater at that time, um, literally, um, and, and promised them uh, 200% returns in 60 days. 200? Uh, oh, my God, bro. And, he just and, did- <laughs> and, 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 and in actuality, um, the, the scam was that he was selling swamp land in Columbia County to these people. Man. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So was he trying to tell them that it was like really beautiful well, Florida, well, like yeah, that's, property? That that's like most of the most of the cities in Florida were sold that way. Like for instance, um, the the town I'm from was famously uh, was famously like sold like like essentially founded, and the land there was sold by one of these land companies in the '60s, um, mostly uh, to like like servicemen in Vietnam and like like people overseas and stuff, and the, the company. <laughs> and they and the company went bust in the 1990s, um, or, or I should say, it started going bust in the 1990s, and then it got bought out, and then the the subsequent company uh, went out of business in the early uh, the early aughts, and the land that they had is unusable pretty much because Wait, it's not it's not connected to any utilities, and it's just these like neighborhoods that have streets and and street signs, and like the city has this big problem because two kids got murdered out there recently. Oh. I know what you're talking about now. So, so they they like they because because like they they don't have they don't have uh, any utilities. They don't have electrical. They don't get sewer. They're so far out. That, Isn't that it also that it's so like close to the water line, the water table underneath. That they can't run sewage pipes and it, stuff. Well, like they that. they can run sewer. That, I've heard I've heard some of the area isn't good enough for septic tank, but they they can run sewer. It's just that the city doesn't have the money to 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 extend, you know, infrastructure to the middle of nowhere. Incredible. Um, so, so these things were, were very common, um, but but eventually, what happens is that um, Ponzi um, is is obviously found out, and he's indicted by a Duval County grand jury in February of nineteen twenty six, and charged with and, and charged with violating uh, Florida trust and securities laws. Um, a jury found him guilty on the securities uh, charges, and the judge sentenced him to a year in Florida State Prison. Oof. Um, Ponzi uh, appealed his conviction and was freed upon posting a $1,500 bond. Um, Ponzi would then travel to Tampa, where he would shave his head, grow a mustache, and try to flee the country as a crewman on a merchant ship bound for Italy. What? Um, but this plan fell apart when he revealed his identity to a shipmate. You know, uh, I'm actually spread- uh, the Ponzi guy. You know that, right? <laughs> You know the guy that scammed people for a millions? That's a me. I just want to let you in a little secret. <laughs> My name is actually Charles Ponzi. I like that you're... Why are you the, giving him falsetto? 
<laughs> yeah, why is he? Why is he like Italian Michael Jackson? <laughs> I have no idea. Sicilian, Sicilian Michael Jackson. I'm Mr. Charles de Ponzi. <laughs> um, uh. So uh, this word get, uh, after this uh, word spreads to a deputy sheriff who followed the ship to its last American port of call in New Orleans and placed Ponzi under arrest. After Ponzi's pleas to President Calvin Coolidge and then uh, dictator of Italy Benito Mussolini um, for deportation were ignored. He was sent back to Boston to serve out his prison term. Um, Ponzi wanted to be deported at that point, huh? So uh, Ponzi um, would uh, serve seven more years in prison. Um, this guy's been in prison more than he's been free. <laughs> so uh, soon after this, uh, government investigators tried to trace Ponzi's uh, accounts to figure out how much money he had taken and where it had gone. Uh, they never managed to um, untangle his finances and could conclude only that millions had gone through his hands. This um, guy got away? So uh, Ponzi would be released in 1934. Um, so uh, with his release came an immediate order to have him deported to Italy. Um, he, asked ah. for a, he asked for a full pardon uh, from Massachusetts Governor uh, Joseph B. Ellie. Um, however, on July 13th, Ellie turned the appeal down. Um, his uh, his confidence that, that had given him the ability to persuade people charismatically had faded. Um, and when he left pri- left the prison's gates, he was met by an angry crowd. He told reporters before he left, I went looking for trouble and I found it. Uh-oh. On October 7th, Ponzi was officially deported. Um, uh, his wife, Rose, stayed in the U.S. and divorced Ponzi in 1937. Um, she had not uh, wanted to leave Boston um, but Ponzi was in no position to support her in any um, in any way. Um, in Italy, uh, Ponzi jumped from scheme to scheme, but was unable to really uh, succeed. Um, he eventually got a job in Brazil as an agent for uh, Alla Latoria, which was the Italian state airline. During World War II, however, the airline's operations in Brazil would be shut down after um, after the uh, after the uh, the British government um, and. Uh, uh, intervened and Brazil uh, sided with the Allies. Um, during during this time, uh, Ponzi would write his autobiography. Um, He's uh, not having a good end of his life. So uh, Ponzi would spend the last years of his life in poverty, uh, uh, working occasionally as a translator. Um, his his health deteriorated in 1941. Uh, a heart attack left him um, in a in a considerably weakened state. Um, his eyesight began to fail, and by 1948, he was almost completely blind. Um, a brain hemorrhage would paralyze his left arm and leg. Um, Ponzi would die in a charity hospital in Rio de Janeiro, the hospital uh, São Francisco de Assis of Federal University of Rio de Janeiro, on J- January 18, 1949. Um, he was supported by his last and only friend, uh, Francisco uh, Nonato Nunes, a barber who spoke English and had notions uh, and sort of spoke a, um, a little bit of Italian. Ah, um, okay. Uh, Ponzi granted uh, one last interview uh, to an American reporter telling him, even if they never go uh, got anything for it, it was cheap at that price. Without malice afterthought, I had given them the best show that was ever staged in their territory since the landing of the Pilgrims. It was easily worth 15 million bucks to watch me put the thing over. Is he saying that him scamming everybody was like a like a work of art. Yeah. <laughs> what an egotistical fuck on his deathbed. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, that's a bit much. Wow, bro. What did he die of again? 
I, I just think the multiple maladies that affected him. He had as many maladies as he had criminal offenses. Good lord. Like, he had karma come and fuck him up at the end of his life. Because he had, like, a his 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 health was bothering him. He had a brain hemorrhage. Um, and, and also stroke. a brain hemorrhage in 19, 1948. Yes, he had a uh, stroke in 48. I can't imagine the treatment was that good. <laughs> good lord. Good so that lord. gentleman is the tale of Charles Ponzi. So guys, listen. If you have a thousand dollars, I can turn that into three thousand. All right, let's get out of here before he convinces us. <laughs> he is very charismatic. All right. So on that note, what an all day. Good night and good luck. Also, email me at the trial. <laughs> no. If you want to invest in my no. business idea, you send me five hundred dollars on Venmo or PayPal, and I will talk to y'all later. <laughs>